Steve Adubato. This is Lessons in Leadership with my colleague, Mary Gamba. Mary, Ian, we're always trying to innovate, pivot, adapt, really, frankly, be creative. And this edition of Lessons in Leadership is really creative. Let's set up what we're about to see. Sure thing, really excited. So as you said, pivoting is so important. We have the opportunity to do so many different things in today's day and age. And one of those is a very special program with uh, students in Newark in the uh, surrounding areas called Stand and Deliver Youth Leadership Program. And what we're about to see is a very special initiative that we did. It's all media skills, teaching young adults in Newark about how to uh, have executive presence, how to speak clearly, and most importantly, how to share a message, something they're passionate about. And we're about to hear their stories and just hear a little bit about their experience in that program. Hey, here it is, young men and women from Newark, three very talented, outspoken young leaders from the city of Newark in our Stand and Deliver program who went through our media skills training seminar Take a look at how strong they are. Take a look at how powerful they are. Might give you just a little bit of hope about our future. Check it out. Yeah, you're looking at a very interesting picture of six, at least five, I know for sure, very talented uh, leaders. Um, I'll include myself on the sixth end of that. But this is all about our Stand and Deliver program. You may ask, what is that? And Mary Gamba, who heads that program, along with our colleague, uh, Tony Richardson, who's the program director, They'll tell you about the details, but our website for our Stand and Deliver um, Leadership and Communication Development Program for urban youth, primarily Newark, New Jersey, my hometown, Brick City, the hometown of a young um, man and the two young women we're about to meet. Uh, Mary, do me a favor, introduce our special guest. First start with Tony, because it doesn't happen without her, and then a very talented high school students. Yeah, I'm so happy to do so. Thank you so much for joining us, everyone. We have Tony Richardson, who is my partner with the Stand and Deliver program for over 20 years. She's the project director of Stand and Deliver. Then we have Amatalani Aziz. I, I'm actually going to use my notes just to make sure I get this right. People's Prep Charter School, a rising senior. By the time this airs, you probably will be a senior. Ashley Canella, Technology High School, rising senior. And then we have Ashanike Akafor, Science Park High School, a rising junior. But what's so funny, even though these three are um, high school students, each and every one of them, I swear they're ready to go to college. What's interesting is that the Stand and Deliver program historically has taught communication skills, presentation skills, executive presence, how to communicate under pressure. But we expanded through a grant from the PSCNG, from PSCNG Foundation. We expanded it to provide media skills, helping young men and women who are looking to be leaders in fact, communicate under pressure. So Omatalani, let me put you on the spot right away. What was the biggest takeaway for you from the very high pressured, under you know the hot lights, getting interviewed and getting feedback? What was that like for you? Um, I feel like that was very overwhelming because it's the first time I'm doing like a TV broadcast, but I've been with you and Mary and Tony for uh, three sessions and I'm pretty sure like it, I'm confident about it and it feels very good to be able to have my voice on for more people to hear it. Ashley, I remember you were doing, by the way, tell everyone that we didn't pick the topics that you were being interviewed on. You picked the topics because the entire idea of this leadership and communication stand and deliver program is to, as we say, Mary and Tony, be the change. Right, be the change. So you are you are proposing some change, some improvement, and we questioned you about it. So Ashton, let me ask you, what was the topic? Do you remember the topic you talked about? 
Yes, I talked about mental health and the disparity within the immigrant community, especially Hispanic culture. And for me, that was a really hard topic. I became so passionate about it and my emotion even came out at one point because I personally have struggled with this issue and I see the importance of it in today's day and age, especially with medicine and psychology's education and knowledge progressing. And so for me, it was it was important to, to speak out about it and to actually be the change that we want to see in that topic and that issue and that awareness in the whole community of immigrant culture. So I just wanted to make sure that it was known. And I thank you all for giving me the chance to share that with you. Well, we actually thank you. Tony, before we go to Ashanike, let me ask you for you to see the Stand and Deliver program from present, expand from presentation skills, public speaking to this frankly high pressure for 15, 16, 17 year old young men and women to be media trained. What was that like for you as, as a leader in this program for 20 years? I think it's very important, um, A, you know, that what we do in the Standard Delivery Program is that we continue to um, reflect on what we're doing and do everything possible to make it better. And this is just really so important because there's so many issues that young people today care about and there aren't enough venues for them to really be able to develop the skills to be able to express uh, their opinions and their for become better leaders in our society. And I think that this opportunity um, really offered that kind of a professional uh, situation. So I think they'll go into uh, college and into their careers really a lot more ready than they would have been without this experience. And you know, it's so interesting. I'm always sending Mary videos of leaders in public situations, be it government, business, sports, academia, who really don't know how to handle a media interview, who kind of panic and don't communicate clearly and effectively and say, oh, I wish I hadn't said that, or I wish I, I left something out and all those kinds of things. And this helps people uh, prepare. Ashnike, by the way, tell everyone what you spoke about, because again, your choice, your issue, your cause. Go ahead. Uh, I chose to speak about uh, immigration in the United States and the lack of judges that are able to view court cases for immigrants. I chose this topic because, because it's very um, sentimental to me. Uh, my family is a family of immigrants. My parents are immigrants. My uh, uncle, aunt are immigrants. And every time I see them have to go to court hearings and then get denied and then get turned back and have their court days pushed, it makes me feel bad. I had to speak about this topic because I need to show awareness of how much uh, how much the immigrants um, in this United States need to have uh, a voice or a hearing um, and be able to have the judges to hear their cases. Was this personal for you in addition to it's some policy issue you care about? Very personal. Yes, it was very personal. And I believe not only was it personal to a few of the policies, but it was personal in the site that I didn't have um, a say in uh, who goes or who gets to stay. I didn't have a say in uh, seeing, you know, my, some of my family uh, leave America. Um, and I think it was very, really, um, a really sad time for me, so. And, and by the way, uh, Omatilani, as I come back to you and Mary jump in, we saw you at the beginning. So Omatilani, compare the first interview yeah. you did 
right? Mary's shaking her head. You're yep. shaking her head. <laughs> I was going to that you were reading my mind. I was just going to say that Amatalani, when we first met you, and now we were super impressed in that first session, but then by the third session, uh, just talk about your transformation and what your topic was that you spoke about. So I spoke about power relating to men. And the first time I spoke about it, I was shaky and I didn't know the right words to use. But of course, you guys are amazing and you helped me um, learn better about it. And by the third interview, I was able to put out my ideas about how men misuse their power. And it's because it's like a thing in the society. For example, men are the toxic masculinity thin. I've already made them believe they have the power and they're entitled to a lot of things. And this makes the society very shaky where women are subjected to do to be submissive to them. And this affects the whole world where females are not even able to do things. Last week, I was just walking on the road and this man just believed he had the right to um, stalk me to where I was going to get my number. And he believed he had the right to do that because my, my parents confronted him and he was like, it's right. And this is the things we go through because I am 17 and I cannot walk on the street without having like five old men follow me where I'm going. And I was able to grow through this interviews to understand and be able to put my voice out. And I feel like it's so important. Let me ask you this again. And Mary, some of the other topics were raw and real and important to the young men and women in the Stand and Deliver program. But I'm asking, curious about this, the confidence question. I often coach in my other life, uh, very high level professionals in their positions, but they're not overly confident about having to do this and do it well. Confidence, starting, give me a number one to 10, right? Uh, Ashley, one to 10 when you started, and on the back end, one to 10. One to 10 confidence level when you got into the communication media program. When I definitely started, I would say that I was at a three. And then by the third session, I think it grew to eight. And that's just thanks to the program, thanks to my beautiful peers and also you and Mary and Tony and all that you guys were able to provide me with the feedback and everything that just dwindled up to that moment. So, yeah. And you know what's interesting? I'm sorry for interrupting. You know what's interesting is you said your, your beautiful peers, they gave feedback as well. So, uh, Ashanika, you got feedback from your peers. You know, very often in these seminars, you go do a presentation or you do a, a mock media interview. Oh, you're terrific. You're great. Where can I get better? Oh, no, you're great. You're terrific. That doesn't help anybody. We were telling you where you were good, and we also told you where you needed to improve. Ashanika, one to 10 on the start, one to 10 on the back end. And starting, I think I started off with uh, five, close to seven, if, you know, at my best. But um, I think that the thin deliver uh, brought me to a 10 at the end. Um, and I believe that is because of all the corrections and all the understandings I had to take. Uh, I needed to slow my speaking down so other people can hear and understand. Um, and I also needed to be able to effectively uh, communicate my uh, topic. And, and I got to give you the last chance. I'm a Kalani. You were confident coming in. And I can't imagine you're off the charts on the back end. I was a... Uh seven coming in and i'm now 11 over 10 because <laughs> i use this in my uh, award ceremony for the rfk urban education and it was last week and i spoke beautifully and i was like i wish you guys were here to see this but you were not uh, we Hold love on. send Is us a any... video if there's video on the be video of this. they will <laughs> send it tony let me give you the final word 
again, with us from day one, how proud are you right now in this moment? We've taken the program to the level where the students who are the best of the best wind up on the air with us on public broadcasting, other platforms. What's it like for you to see your mentees doing this? <laughs> I'm very proud of you guys. Uh, you, know, you, you came in with something that you maybe thought you had, you weren't sure, you didn't know exactly what to do with it or how to execute it. And uh, now you do. I'm also, um, Steve, I'm impressed with us because we, um, <laughs> we, chose, we chose from a larger group that we worked with uh, these three students who are not just well-spoken, but have uh, issues that they really care about. And I can also tell that they think about their issues and they also read about their issues. They have the vocabulary. They're using professional jargon, you know, right. when they speak about their issues. And, you know, that's, that's really impressive. So again, just uh, proud of them and uh, proud of us for having the, uh, the idea of you, Steve, for having the idea to give them this opportunity. No, remember there are, there are funders who made this happen. And again, to thanks to the folks at PS. E.G., um, who allowed us to do this. Mary, Tony, to our great students, thank you so much. Elvin Badger, our, our director, has been sending messages. Hey, Steve, you're over time. You're teaching these young people how to manage media, and you're way over time. So I'm over time. Thank all of you. You're the best. I promise we'll be right back over this after this, I think. Right, Elvin? Okay. <laughs> We're good. This edition of Lessons in Leadership with me, Steve Adubato, and my colleague, Mary Gamba, has been brought to you by the Bucino Leadership Institute at Seton Hall University, Prager Metis, Valley Bank, the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 825, the New Jersey Sharing Network, Delta Dental of New Jersey, Kessler Foundation, and Seton Hall University, showing the world what great minds can do since 1856. This is Mary Gamba. If you want more leadership tips and tools, log on to stand-deliver.com. That's stand-deliver.com. This is the Seton Hall story, one that comes to life every day on our campus. This is the place where great minds discover, innovate, collaborate, and find their true calling. This is the place where passion has a purpose, where learning inspires leading. The bonds we make, the values we teach, inspire our community to take heart and take action. This is Seton Hall University. This is what great minds can do. Welcome back to Lessons in Leadership. Steve Adubato, Mary Gamba. You just saw these incredibly talented young men and women communicating with the media. And Mary, we're about to introduce this clip with Roger Leon, the superintendent of the North Public Schools. Talk about our partnership with the North Public Schools, which is awesome. Oh, it is so incredible. Thank you to Roger and everyone at the North Public Schools. They have been involved with Stand and Deliver since the inception. They were uh, just one of the greatest partners. Now we are in all North Public High Schools. We have over 300 students that participate in this program. It's an after-school program. Students participate in weekly workshops, talking about everything from communication, leadership, uh, really how to be the change. That's always our theme each year and it never gets old. We have students share inspirational messages of things that they are passionate about. And every year we're super surprised to hear all the different uh, causes that the students care about. And it was really great to have Roger on talking about his views on leadership and talking about the program. And truly they are helping to raise the leaders of tomorrow. 
You know, those topics include racial, social justice issues, police minority relations, issues having to do with misogyny, if you will, the power that men sometimes have over women in the workplace and other situations. Uh, frankly, immigration has been brought up, uh, gun violence, COVID, its disproportionate impact on black and brown people, disparities as it relates to healthcare um, and different communities. I mean, these young people really stepped up. Right now, you're going to hear from the leader of the North Public Schools, Roger Leon, right here on Lessons in Leadership. We're now joined by the superintendent of the North Public Schools, Roger Leon. Roger, good to see you. So we're taping on the 22nd of June. What does it feel like to be ending this school year? And then I'll ask you about September in a second. What's it feel like to finish this one, this marathon? Oh my goodness, we are just so happy that the end is in fact near. Uh, it's been a long 16 months uh, for everyone in the school system, obviously. Uh, so we are really, really um, grateful to be at an incredible point in time uh, right now with our seniors uh, graduating in record numbers. Uh, so um, a lot of great celebrations occurring on this very important week. And Roger, people who have seen us before with you know that uh, we have a stand and deliver leadership and communication development program with the North Public Schools. We do seminars, workshops in every public high school, remote or and or in person. So there's a leadership question here. What is the most significant leadership lesson you have learned in the past as we do this program 15, 16 months? Well, I think that uh, amongst the many things, the whole need to be constantly changing is something that in education we really actually don't adjust well to. It usually takes time for um, an initiative to take hold. And so what we've learned as a result of the coronavirus is that uh, we are not in control as much as, in fact, we would all like to be. And then constantly changing, the being able to adjust as quickly as possible and then communicate the importance of those adjustments uh, to the community at large has been amongst the, the greatest uh, learning that I know I've experienced uh, in this room during this time. Sorry for interrupting. Roger, so speaking of learning and adjusting, September, this will be seen throughout the summer into September. And again, the date will be up on the screen. We always disclose when we're taping. What do you believe September 2021 will look like in the North Public Schools? Well, we know that September 2021 is what we're preparing for. And we've learned over the last 16 months that what we prepare may not be what actually resolves. So uh, we want to stay the course. We want to make sure that people are adhering to all of the CDC guidelines and, and taking very, very seriously any and all of the executive orders, whether they're issued by the governor or the mayor in the great city of Newark, because we know that that will, in fact, uh, determine or at least guide or at least influence a lot of uh, public policy and decision-making upon our residents. We know uh, that uh, the normalcy of what we expect in September might not be exactly the way we have planned. So there will be ingress procedures that we've implemented since April that we will make sure are in fact in place. 
that there are egress procedures that we're also going to uh, be following to make sure that the health and safety of all of the students and staff uh, is the first and most important priority and that we are clear um, on that. So uh, we uh, expect all of the students to be returning back. We expect that, uh, in fact, uh, the um, procedures that we have in place have been mastered to a great degree by the students who have been in person, will be learned by the students who have been working remotely, and then ultimately in the end we'll create a bridge between those who haven't been in school and those who want to be back. And we're looking forward to that. It's going to be an exciting uh, start to uh, what will inevitably be one of the most incredible years in this school district's history. Roger, the vaccine initiative in Newark, vaccine resistance in Newark, and by the way, Newark is a metaphor for any urban community across this country. What impact does the whole question of who's getting the vaccine, who's not, who will, who won't, what impact does that have on public education in the city of Newark? Well, our position from the start has been clear. COVID testing and the vaccination, which obviously follow thereafter, are both extremely important towards building the type of confidence that we need to inevitably get into the resilience that will get us through this. Um, do I believe that people need to be COVID tested and vaccinated? I know that it reassures and provides a level of support that everyone yearns for, especially during a time where there's so much uncertainty. So um, we know that uh, in Newark in particular, the positivity rate was really, really high. And so right. getting everyone tested and advocating for that was paramount. We know that right now uh, we have close to 70% of our teaching staff members who have already been vaccinated. So we know that we had a very, very aggressive campaign and that we know that it has um, decreased over the last uh, couple of weeks, at least the idea of people being vaccinated. We want to make sure that those who um, are going to do it, that they've obviously consulted with their doctor, if they're under doctor's care, and that they go ahead and get vaccinated in any of the locations in the city of Newark or throughout right. Essex County in particular. I also wanted to mention to you that we have a great big vaccine for teens initiative that started last week and will continue every Wednesday at Westside High School in the evenings on our Lights On program and at Claremont Hospital as we get through the summer. This is just for teenagers yep. ages 12 to 18 uh, here sponsored um, in the city of Newark by the health department, obviously the school system and uh, our health partners. By the way, in post-production, put up the website for the Newark Public Schools so uh, those in Newark who want to learn more about it can. Roger, can you give me one minute or less on learning loss? How do, how do we identify what learning loss looks like and what do we do about it for these young people? So as it relates to learning loss, we want to look at it in two frames. So learning loss, that actually students uh, have not, uh, for whatever the reasons are, um, kept with the academic programming and then unfinished learning. So that there, there are students that just need more time. We wanna actually address both of those. So we're doing that with some intent. Uh, there are tutoring opportunities that we're providing students before the school day, after school, on Saturdays, that we will continue into the start of the next school year to afford students that additional uh, time. We're, we're doing assessments uh, at the start of the year, in the middle of the year, towards the end of the year, to really get a sense of the impact that this has caused and how uh, we are teaching our students to address 
those needs, not only academic, but social emotional learning needs that we know our students have experienced from the separation. Everything about coronavirus has impacted everyone. So we're targeting all of the students in a with a broad brush and then providing specific needs as it arises student by student across every classroom, in every grade, in every school across the city of New York. Mr. Superintendent, I want to thank you so much for joining us. As always, we learn from you. We appreciate it. And um, all the best to you and the great team in the North Public Schools. Thank you, Roger. Thank you, Steve. We appreciate you. Mary, you know what's so interesting to me about not just Roger Leon, but others in educational uh, position, positions in educational administration? It's funny. They call them educational or education administrators. We call them leaders. Is there a difference in your mind between being an administrator in a school system or the leader of the school system? Not in my mind. I believe, and you and I have talked about this, and I frankly learned from you over the years, I used to say not everyone's a leader, right? I used to say that you do need doers, but I've even transitioned to realize that you need leaders, especially in a school system that large as the North Public Schools and in any organization, even a small organization. You need to have leaders who are truly pivoting when things go uh, awry. If something yeah. gets thrown at us like COVID or a pandemic, you need to be able to pivot, transition. Yeah. And most importantly, the leaders need to be able to communicate a clear and concise message of their vision. So I do yeah. believe that it is a leader. Let me complicate this for you. So I was recently, you I, I told you this offline, Mary, and this, this is why educational administrators have to be leaders because difficult, look at the difficult decisions these leaders have had to make around COVID, around masking, no masking. Vax, no vax, teachers, mandatory, who's in, who's out, remote learning, all of it. But then I, I told you about this, Mary, and I only I know we have a couple minutes left. Our, let's just say in our school system where I am, our daughter was graduating and there was a graduation ceremony. It was awesome. It was, it was a happy time. Except at the beginning, a decision was made not to play the national anthem, not to have a pledge of allegiance, but rather to only have one, quote, patriotic song, as the principal told me, and it was Lift Every Voice. It was the Black National Anthem. Beautiful song. Loved it. Afterwards, I just went up and asked the superintendent, excuse me, asked the principal, then the superintendent, hey, can we do both? Yeah, time was tight, the principal told me. We only could pick one. That's a choice. It created controversy because the Black National Anthem is beautiful. But to cut out the national anthem or even the star, excuse me, the Pledge of Allegiance, which is like 30 seconds, to me is polarizing. This isn't political. This isn't even about policy. It's about decisions that you make that creates, that can sometimes create an unforced error. An administrator just doesn't deal with that. Leaders have to. And it's not easy. And I, I was respectful and courteous, but I shared my views. And to the superintendent's credit, he called and said, Steve, it shouldn't have been done that way and it won't happen again. That's leadership to me, you say? It is, definitely. And it's so funny that, as you said, on first unforced error, I was thinking the same exact thing. Too often, we get so caught up in the weeds. You and I talk about it all the time in our in our seminars and in the coaching that we do, and you get so worried about the uh, the little details, and then you don't really see the bigger picture. You don't see how your actions will potentially turn off others and really look big picture of, okay, if we do this, then what is going to happen? But to their credit, as we've always said, people are going to make mistakes. Things are gonna go wrong. And as long as you own that mistake, you hopefully publicly at some point accept it. And if not publicly, at least as you said, you did get a phone call uh, with the apology. 
that just makes me feel so much better. And that is a true leader to be able to own your mistake and then learn from it. And by the way, I want to add this. The superintendent made it clear that in no other graduation ceremony would the national anthem or at least, you know, put your hand over your heart, the Pledge of Allegiance would be ignored. And to me, and by the way, if anyone confuses this with anything other than, hey, we're all Americans, and no matter what your feelings are about our country, um, if you decide to cut out the national anthem and uh, the Pledge of Allegiance, there are consequences to that, and that's a leadership decision. It's not political, it's a leadership decision, because school leaders, sports leaders, coaches, principals, People meeting, we have multiple stakeholders. You have to deal with all of them. You can't make all of them happy. Decisions sometimes have consequences for leaders. And so that's the message. Roger Leone understands that um, and will continue to talk about these things in a meaningful well, all, way all around the paradigm, if you will, of leadership. Lessons we learn. Because if you look at this book, talk about mistakes. I'm not out on anybody or saying, hey, they screwed up. Three quarters of this book is filled with my mistakes as a leader. It sure is. <laughs> and Mary reminds me when I don't remind myself. We've got to get out of here, Mary. What do you say? Yeah, I say just one quickie. Check out our website, stand-deliver.com. We have a lot of valuable articles up there, information on that book. And again, most of the, those articles really talk about Steve and I learning from our mistakes. And everyone can learn a lot from them as well. That's Mary Gamba, the star of the show. I'm Steve Adubato, her sidekick. This is Lessons in Leadership. And we thank you so much for watching. I promise we'll see you next time if we're lucky. This edition of Lessons in Leadership with me, Steve Adubato, and my colleague Mary Gamba has been brought to you by the Bucino Leadership Institute at Seton Hall University, Prager Metis, Valley Bank, the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 825, the New Jersey Sharing Network, Delta Dental of New Jersey, Kessler Foundation, and Seton Hall University, showing the world what great minds can do since 1856. This is Mary Gamba. If you want more leadership tips and tools, log on to stand-deliver.com. Promotional support for this edition of Lessons in Leadership with me, Steve Adubato, and my colleague, Mary Gamba, has been provided by NJ.com, NJBIA, and New Jersey Business Magazine, CIANJ, and Commerce Magazine.